It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. It's so exciting to say happy Friday to you, whenever you're actually listening. We're doing something tomorrow we don't do. We are releasing a one-time special episode on Saturday. Krista's making me work a six-day this week. Sorry. You're a tough boss. Sorry. It's going to be different than our normal format, an experiment, if you will. And I'm going to do short summaries of some topics that keep showing up repeatedly in the questions you post for me. I realize some of these topics are ones that maybe as I'm doing a podcast answering a question, I've not explained methodically and clearly. And so we're taking some of them kind of like a Clark 101, if you will. I hope you have an opportunity to listen, share the episode with a friend, and let us know what you think of the specialized format we're trying on this Saturday Extra Edition. But today it's time for Clark Stinks, where you get to hear how I have messed up After that, we're going to talk about a problem that's happening in the hotel business that is turning into a huge nightmare for consumers, and I want to make sure you know how to handle it. We'll be talking about that later, right now. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. What you starting with today, Krista? Clark, I Why do you always do the head bob? I don't know, it's just like the, you like that I like too? the little Clark Stink song. Okay. You know, I like to dance. Clark, I won't use Mr. Howard because I think you were onto something, but I think you missed a crucial part of your exercise discussion. You mentioned numerous free applications and other ways to exercise for free, but you're missing the opportunity to look at free workout groups that meet in your community. F3 and its female version FIA are great local workout groups that are free of charge and help you keep accountable. There are a lot of running groups, basketball clubs, church groups that exercise, etc. I feel like this should be mentioned in your discussion of free ways to exercise. Keep up the great work, Edward. Edward, you are so right, and that is a fail on my part. We talked before about a um, app where people meet in parks that that groups around the country that exercise railing parks. Do you remember we no, talked? To, I don't remember. But I know. Like, I don't even remember what it's called. Lots of community centers around me have. But you got, um, so the apps were F3 and what were they? I think those were groups. Like there are groups that meet up. I know if you check with a local running store, a lot of times there are running groups and there are community areas. Yeah. I hadn't heard of those before, but there are, that's a good point. Lots of free, free groups. You don't stink, but I'm writing to make a point about stinky things you discussed on a recent podcast about perishable foods in the refrigerator. Your tips about how to reduce food waste were great, but I think you should have taken it a step further and explained, as you have in the past, that just because a food product is beyond one of those fake dates, it can still be consumed, sometimes months or even years later. Here are exact quotes from the FDA website. Except for infant formula, dates are not an indicator of the product's safety and are not required by federal law. A best if used by or before date indicates when a product will be of best flavor or quality. It is not a purchase or safety date. 
A sell-by date tells the store how long to display the product for sale for inventory management. It is not a safety date. A use-by date is the last date recommended for the use of the product while at peak quality. It is not a safety date except for when used on infant formula as described. A freeze-by date indicates when a product should be frozen to maintain peak quality. It is not a purchase or safety date. If the date passes, a product should still be safe and wholesome if handled properly until spoilage is evident. And that's from Mac in Virginia. Mac, thank you. And um, it goes without saying that a lot of the pull dates that you see are for marketing purposes. Peak flavor, as you mentioned, but not in terms of necessarily safety. Okay, something smells funny here. Kim in Georgia asked Clark if she should keep $20,000 in savings or pay off her $15,000 car loan and then use the monthly car payment to put toward retirement. Clark liked the idea of putting it toward retirement, but I think he may have missed something that I always think about. What about Kim's next car? My dad always told me that if your car is paid off, you should make a monthly car payment to yourself to save for your next car. If Kim's car is paid off, it's going to wear out someday. Should she be putting money aside or just waiting to take out a new car loan later? Todd. Todd, that is a very good point. And I always face a challenge as I talk about when you live on less than what you make, what are the priorities for that money? All right, so why do I put such a big emphasis on the Roth IRA and the health savings account? Those two in particular. Because in the case of a Roth IRA, money you put in grows tax-free and then later in life is spent tax-free. The HSA, the health savings account, you get an upfront tax deduction, you get tax-free growth of the money, and as long as it's spent on an eligible medical expense sometime in your life, you get to spend it tax-free. So it's like even better than a Roth. So I always face this thing where it's like, what is the most efficient money to save? Those are the first two. Then having money in a rainy day account, I'd say comes next. Then having money for a future need, like I love your idea of putting money aside so that when you buy a car in the future, you heavily defray how much would have to be borrowed, or you get to the point where you can pay cash for a vehicle. It's all like a hierarchy of priorities because most people can't afford to do all the things. So that's why I kind of draw the hierarchy the way I do. Clark, you smell like my daughter's shoes in the back of our car on the drive home from a soccer tournament in the rain. That smells bad. Someone had written in about paid in full discounts for medical bills. You stated if the bill is high enough, then they will give you a discount. And you specifically noted if you have a small bill, you will not get the discount. I have called in every bill for years and asked for a paid full discount no matter the amount. And I've earned, learned that even small bills can get a paid in full discount. I have a dermatologist that discounts any bill above $75 by 30% off if I pay in full. So I'd recommend to always call no matter the amount, Brian. Brian, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Clark doesn't stink bad yet. He just may have missed taking showers for months. Ooh, I'll he, move away from you then. He always says that he never uses a cart when shopping at Costco. That must not apply to Sam's. He gushes over the way he can put things in his cart and check them out on his cell phone at the same time. If he doesn't use a cart, how does he check out at Sam's? Does he check the items out on his phone and then carry them out the door? Can he really have six items in his arms and use his phone to scan another item he wants to buy? 
Seems awfully difficult to scan things and put them in his cart if he doesn't use one. Explain to us how you do that, Bob in Washington. So, Bob, I need somebody who sees me in Sam's to shoot a picture and put it online. Because what I do is towards the front in Sam's are some bulk items in the Sam's I go to. And I put my purchases down and then I scan each of them. And then I do my checkout thing on the scan and go app, put the items back in my arms, and then I go to the exit. The only time I get a cart with Sam's or Costco is if I'm buying something big and heavy. And it's at the end of my shopping trip that I go get the cart, put in the things in my arms, and then go get whatever the big or heavy item is and put it in the shopping cart. I only get big things at Costco, like dog food and paper towels and toilet paper. I buy a lot of little things a lot of times. And what it does when I pick them up in my arms is you tend in the warehouse clubs to pick up things that you didn't know were going to be there and you didn't really necessarily need. And as I put things in my arms and I run out of room to carry them, I then put things back and avoid what they call the Costco rule, which is you can't come in and out of Costco for less than 200 bucks by not having a cart i'm able to limit the damage to my wallet 200 that's they call that the costco rule what do you spend i mean sometimes it's like 300 but i don't go there that often i buy a lot of stuff when i go you don't stink but perhaps it's time we took a look at the claim costco only marks up kirkland items by 15 percent as someone with experience in the buying industry there is no way the house brands of, for example, that big bottle of ibuprofen are only being marked up by 15%. Perhaps there's some funny business with the numbers going on, like the warehouse only marks it up 15% from what they pay the Costco distribution center for it. But that seems rather disingenuous. Our family members are daily listeners. Thanks for all you do for us, Dwight. Dwight, you know, this is something I've been curious about. There's been Uh, A lot of management turnover lately at Costco. A lot of the people that were there from the beginning who were at the top of the heap have now retired, and they've even hired some outsiders, which they never did at Costco for the executive-level positions. It's probably time for me to do some digging and see if the 14-15 is still in place. 14% markup max on brand names, 15% on Kirkland Signature, and see if that still is company policy. I'll snoop around. The thing about them is they do have huge purchasing power with the manufacturers. So they can, I've heard that they're really like get them way down. But he said, but uh, the post from Dwight is the opposite. He's saying the markups are higher. Higher. That if you look oh, at the prices, okay. if they're driving down the wholesale cost, it's, then yeah, it's, it's even, even higher, yeah. selling more into what he's saying that like KS. I version of ibuprofen, KS version of acetaminophen, that those are marked up more than 15%. Got it. And somehow I'll try to figure out how to dig in if I need to change my verbiage on that stuff. Your comments on inflation were very difficult to swallow. We have never defeated inflation. The Federal Reserve banking system is designed to purposely inflate money and make the dollar less valuable transferring more wealth to government and those who are already wealthy. I feel like you really dropped the ball here. Still love you though, Clark. Edward. Edward, thank you. So defeating inflation, it is the design of central banks to have manageable inflation 
B, in our country, we do 2%, other countries, 2.5% very commonly. And the reason that's modern monetary policy, and I'm not smart enough to explain this, but the idea of modern monetary policy is that central banks need a small level of inflation in order to be able to inflate the economy or deflate the economy when the economy gets too strong or too weak, and that if they're at pretty much zero inflation, or as the Chinese are facing now, deflation, becomes very hard for central bankers to be able to reflate the economy. So to say, when I say there's no inflation, that's so inaccurate that the goal, as we know in the United States, as it has been for the Federal Reserve for a good long time, is 2% annual inflation and a little bit more than that in other places. I live in France and listen to you regularly. This is more of a French lesson than a criticism. The retail chain, how do you pronounce that? I always have called it Carrefour. Is pronounced Carrefour. By the way, it means crossroads in French. Merci, Tom in Lourdes, France. 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 So there you go. France. Tom, just so you know, my pronunciation in English stinks. My pronunciation in any foreign language is awful. And my son is becoming fluent in Spanish. And he just laughs when I speak Spanish to him because my pronunciation is so terrible. I've talked about this not recently, but I have trouble hearing sounds, which has always made language difficult for me. It's not, I'm not talking about my hearing itself, but my ability to hear sounds and emphasis on a word and stuff like that. That's why a lot of times people will write in, uh, not French lessons for me, English lessons, <laughs> because my enunciation of words mm-hmm. or pronunciation? Pronunciation. Enunciation too, right? They're both bad. I guess. Yeah. I don't think so. That's why I spend my life speaking in one and two syllable words. <laughs> So I can do those better. Thank you, and I'm so glad you enjoy us in France. Coming up ahead, speaking of travel, there's trouble in River City with hotel bookings. Man, I'm seeing it everywhere, and I need to give you a updated course for booking hotels for your spring break, summer vacation, anything like that got to know it's gotten tougher for travelers out there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Behind the curtain, there's been a breakdown in discipline 
in hotel chains. And I addressed that many months ago about how the name on the building no longer means anything in terms of standard. The hotel chains have only focused now on receiving their royalty fees from locations, and everything is sales side. Sign up more, sign up more, sign up more hotel owners. And the discipline breakdown is enforcement of standards on the cleanliness of a hotel, the furnishings in the room, furnishings in the lobby, the carpets that may smell and are way past their time. It's been a terrible, terrible time for travelers to be able to rely at all on the name brand on the building. Even if it's a quote-unquote luxury brand, the hotel may have gone to seed. And you book a room and are paying big money, and you get there, and the place is disgusting. And disgusting can happen at any price level. But the thing I've really noticed, and this predates COVID, nobody in the hotel business can blame this on COVID, that this big emphasis on sales and getting additional room inventory into the house by these mega chains, Marriott the biggest, and you've got Hilton, Hyatt, IHG, you've got these mega chains, they no longer care, as best I can tell at all, about the quality of the facility. And this culture has led to a second breakdown. So you book a room, usually one of three ways. You book through a hotel central reservation booking engine online or by phone. You book through a third-party hotel site, or you book through another entity that then books through a third-party hotel site that then is booking the room at that hotel, either through the hotel direct or through the hotel central reservation service. What could possibly go wrong? Everything. The biggest problems I'm reading about involve booking through American Express's travel portal, booking through uh, Chase's travel portal, or booking through Capital One's booking portal. Each of them use one of these third-party sites for their bookings. So what's happening again and again is what organization management people talk about, diffusion of responsibility. Something goes wrong anywhere along that way, and you're the traveler, you get to the hotel, A, they may not want to honor your booking, B, they may be overbooked and you're one of the first people walked because of how you booked. The hotel room you booked may be misrepresented and you're not at all what you're in. And I'm seeing this online again and again and again and again with, unfortunately, the greatest problems happening through the credit card booking engines that people use because they may have points they're using for the hotel stay. Now, their complaints have become so bad lately that I ask you to be a little paranoid. Usually, I don't use that word paranoid. This case, I'm reading so much about it, I want you to be paranoid. And what I want you to do is before you go, well before you go, confirm that the booking actually exists with the hotel you're going to and the category that has been represented to you that you're booking. 
it's crazy because you can get somewhere and they're like, uh, yeah, who are you? Or no, you don't have that kind of room. Um, I had a situation recently where I booked a hotel room for a trip my wife and I are going on to go to a wedding. And there was a deal through a third-party site, in this case Priceline, for a well-known hotel in the town we're going to. I've stayed there before. It's a great hotel. And they had a special that I could book that was less than half the normal rate of the hotel. And I was like, something's wrong here. So I checked, and they do have my booking, and I really have a room. And how I got it so cheap, it's a fluke. There's always the chance I'll get there and they'll say, no, we're, we're not honoring that because blah, blah, blah. But I'm prepared for that. But know that every time you add in another layer with what's going on in the travel industry, when you are going from booking first party to second party, third party, fourth party, every time you add something in, you're increasing the odds that something is going to go wrong at the end when you get there. And I just want you, when you find a real deal, to double, triple, and quadruple check it. Now, using third-party sites to book hotels, too, there are a lot of sketch ones out there. When you see something, like if you look at a list on Kayak or wherever, and you see this great trip advisor, you see a great deal on a hotel, and it's some UFO booking engine, Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I would go check out what people are saying online about the booking engines. Some of the reading you'll find will be quite illuminating with a lot of these ultra bargain sites. Same's true for airline tickets. When you see a great deal, like on a kayak search with some UFO airline booking site, go read the reviews first before you book through that third-party site. Okay, question time. This well, I made travel not sound exciting at no, all. No, but I'm going to double-check a booking I made through a third-party site when I get home. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Okay, Mark in California asks, he says, a few times a month I get a flyer in the mail for a retirement class. These are typically offered at a local community center or college, and fees are typically around $50. Yeah. I'm interested in learning more about retirement as I begin that journey, but I don't want to get stuck paying for an infomercial for a company or product. What is your take on these types of classes and what do you recommend for broadening my retirement knowledge? P.S. I listened to a few podcasts and have read a few books. Wonderful. Okay. So Mark, a few things here. There is lots of legit free material available in Investopedia, and then the websites of Fidelity, Vanguard, and Schwab that do a lot of deep dive courses that vary in sophistication and what they're getting into. There's more and more content available that's good, that's free online. And Clark.com. For, yeah, I just never am good about. We try to, we, I think our writers do an excellent job of putting right. things into like understandable language. Well, that's why you're here is to say that. Okay. So I'm not going to go, you know, but anyway, <laughs> beat my own chest. Um, anyway, um, with these online things, you will, you will get a lot of useful knowledge, but let's go to what you said about taking a course at a community college or a traditional four-year college campus 
and with their um, non-credit programs, they're offering these things. You always have to look at the credentials of the person teaching the classes. And it is my experience that often, not always, but often the people teaching these non-credit courses that are offered very inexpensively are insurance agents. It's not always going to be true, but often it will be. What you want teaching one of these courses is you want somebody who is a fee-only fiduciary financial advisor, or if it's a professor of finance who works at the university and is teaching this in addition to what he or she normally does. But I don't want you taking any retirement seminar ever from somebody who sells insurance for a living. Because you know how they talk about if you have a nail, I got the hammer, and what I do is whatever I do. Insurance people, by their training and nature, all financial advice, particularly geared towards retirement, all comes back to selling insurance, particularly annuities. And so that's why you're right to be skeptical and make sure that the person you'd be taking a course under is not from an industry where they have an, a, a motive to sell insurance products or sell non-fiduciary investments. I would just say do not go. I don't, there's so much information available out there from trusted sources. I think it's not worth it. But there are people who benefit from sitting in a classroom. I know. And if you find somebody who is a fiduciary, is not trying to sell, doesn't sell products for a living and just wants to teach. But now we have the people that wear both hats. We've discovered fiduciaries who sell insurance products and then they won't call them insurance. They'll call them something weird, you know. Okay. Valerie in Georgia wrote in, she said, so twice in the last few weeks, I've gotten a notification by text about my one-time access code. The problem is it's not being directed by me. It's like someone has my phone number attached to an account and they are attempting fraud. Once from X Twitter and twice in a row just now from unknown number, but I did a phone lookup search and found the owners. My question is, how do I protect myself? What is this? And should I be concerned? So, Valerie, the likeliest thing that's happening with these UFO two-factor authentication things is you've been part of some data breach somewhere. We've all been part of who knows how many data breaches. And someone may be trying to gain access to some account of yours somewhere. This is a fair warning to you. If you don't have your credit frozen yet, get it frozen because that will prevent If there is an individual who's trying to get into your wallet, it will prevent them from opening any new credit as if they're you. It will not prevent them from uh, getting after money you already have, accounts you already have, and all the rest. And this is why using a password generator that gives you a unique password for every account you have has become so much more valuable. And since I started doing that back in 22, Krista started about uh, the Stone Age. You've always done these password generators. I now have all these crazy passwords that I could never know, but they're stored by 
the password program I use. And it gives you that extra layer of protection. But everything starts with you putting in place a credit freeze. And if you've not done so yet, please do that right away. They're free. They're not that hard to set up anymore. Go to Clark.com slash credit freeze. See, there I did it, Krista. Thank you. Clark.com slash credit freeze to know how to put a credit freeze in place. Chuck in Missouri says, you're the best, Clark, and I love the information you have provided about the No Surprise Act when it comes to medical bills. My wife recently was transported by ambulance between two local hospitals, and I received a bill for $1,400 that insurance won't cover. I hope she's doing okay now. Two hospitals, boom, yeah. Turns out that ground ambulances aren't a part of the No Surprise Act. Is there anything a consumer can do? Also, any concerns if I pay the inflated ambulance bill by credit card $1 at a time with an American Express card to maximize their transaction costs? (laughs) Okay, Chuck. Ambulance charges were purposely left out initially of the No Surprises Act that governs all these huge balance bills people are getting because the, the Congress, the committee in the Congress that came up with the legislation could not figure out how to regulate ambulance charges without the result being limiting the number of ambulances available. So because of this loophole, the Wall Street crowd, a lot of private equity outfits have decided this is a great way to rip off the American people and have bought ambulance services all over the country, transport people, you don't know what front what it's going to cost, and then gouge them with gigantic bills. The result has been now there's a committee studying in the feds whether there should be a cap on these charges or it should just be brought solidly under the No Surprises Act. And a number of states now have passed new their own state versions eliminating these surprise bills from ambulance services. Have no idea if Missouri is in the process of doing this, has done this or not. So what you do is you try to negotiate the bill down with the ambulance service. People have had great success doing that by saying, okay, so right now here's the deal. You get nothing. So let's talk. How'd you like some money? And you play tough and you negotiate down the amount of the ambulance bill. It is a problem that so far has defied easy solution. And I'm really worried, as I talked about with the ambulances before, that people are now transporting overwhelmingly by Uber and Lyft because they've heard friends and family talk about being gouged by the ambulance services. And there are going to be times that Somebody could, I mean, in the worst case, somebody could die on the way being transported in an Uber or Lyft to a hospital. You ask any Uber or Lyft driver who does a lot of rides every month, they'll tell you about how often they're taking people to urgent cares or to hospital emergency rooms. So it is a problem we need to solve. And is there any business that private equity is not trying to mess up in the United States. My goodness. Well, I want to tell you this. I hope that you have 
an absolutely wonderful rest of your day and that you enjoy your weekend. And, you know, we hear things from time to time on our podcast and we hear all the time in life negative things going on. What can you do this weekend to make the world a better place? Americans aren't volunteering like they used to. We need to get back out there, see a need in our community, and make a difference any way that you can. And in your car on the way to that opportunity, you can listen to our special episode tomorrow. (laughs) We're releasing. (laughs) Oh, Krista. And congratulations on being in the midst of your 100th Habitat home build. Incredible. Yeah, homes 98, 99, and 100. We're building in Atlanta, and then I go to Tulsa right after we finish in Atlanta, and we start home 101. So you never start, thought you were going to make it to 100. It's pretty astonishing. I well, I did initially because I planned to sponsor along with our generous listeners, our readers, our viewers to build 100 houses. I set that as a goal in year 2001 that I was going to do it by 2020. I started volunteering with Habitat 93 and sponsoring houses in 96. And I was running out of gas. I wasn't going to make it. And I didn't make 20. But a a wonderful man who's now deceased inspired me to, as you would say, put the mouth guard back in and get Get in in the ring. And so we're here now and we're in the midst of building two one-story four-bedroom home. No, a four-bedroom, a three-bedroom, and then a two-story four-bedroom home for wonderful, hardworking families who are going to buy those homes at a great price because the spirit of community, people coming together and making it happen. We'll be at it tomorrow. You know, Habitat builds all over the country every Saturday, all year long, except around holidays. You can have impact there. Whatever cause matters to you, get out there and make a difference. You say there ought to be. We should. Wouldn't it be great if, well, you're the one that can make great things happen. One person at a time, we make change. It's great change to improve our society, our community, our neighborhood. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You do it. Have a great weekend.